dogs in the yard Might need a guard Every loss taken to heart Me first, that cannot be Must be these underdog episodes, see? Feeling much better, so suddenly Under the Monica, Monica G Crafted at night while all of them sleep I won't look a fool Taking this tool, defeating the opposition around me No, no, I'm not sorry Yes, I'm taking this knowledge and party Just barking, no harm, don't be startled Yes, I'm taking the title And it's so vital Thanks for the ride, I'll never be idle Turn up the dial, it's about to get wild And the points gon' pile up Down is the underdog bite down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now Down is the underdog bite down Up at the day and the night now Easy as flying a kite now Come take a look at it right now Welcome to episode 118 of Dynasty Underdog. I got my buddy Uriah and Josh with me, of course. What's up, guys? How's it going? What is know. up? Hey, you nailed it. Uh, I almost didn't nail it. I almost went to the pod that I haven't done in a while. But uh, super excited tonight, man. Bringing back really, really good guest, self-proclaimed nerd, Paul Patterson, DFF's own. What's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> hey, what's, uh, what's going on, Billy? <laughs> Thanks for having me on again. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, dude, anytime, bro. You're like family now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're fam now. You can address me as friend of the show. Friend uh, of the oh, show. Friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Paul Patterson. I love it. I love it. On Twitter at Fantasy Freezer. He's actually just dropped a really good article. I think everybody should check out. Uh, I was actually just reading it and now I don't have it in front of me. What was that article called you just wrote, Paul? Oh, wait. The Damian Pierce one, right? The asymmetrical downside. Yep. That's the one. Yeah, I actually really love this article. There's something we're going to talk about in a minute, just like a little piece in there that that you threw in that wasn't even really what the whole article was about. But we'll get into that in a second. I'm still reeling from my from my Justin Fields trade. So we may as well hop into the the hot news, right? The rise of Justin Fields. This guy is off the charts. I mean, what was it like 160 rushing yards and a touchdown or two? 178. <laughs> 178 yeah absolutely absurd like that is that is next level stuff right there i didn't even look tired no he didn't he didn't <laughs> and and the, and the kid is like a he's like a stone you know he doesn't show any emotion it's really it's really interesting and uh frustrated a little bit i had two shares one of them i sold and i got back mark andrews so that one i can't be too upset about because and it's like a 2.0 tight end premium league so i'll be all right and i have quarterbacks but the other one i sold low and I, it, I'm just going to be thinking about it for the rest of the, for the rest of the year for sure. I, I got what I sell him like um, I'll just say it. I think it was Fields in a 24 first for Derek Carr, and that one hurts. My soul, that one hurts my soul. Wow, yeah. that is painful. It is super oh, painful. Man. That was a couple I... of weeks back, and I yeah I had a rough QB situation in this league, and it it only made it worse. So I don't generally make those mistakes. I wasn't patient enough and it cost me. Brutal. Make a trade like I would make, man. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I uh I think all the time about trades that I didn't make in Dynasty and how like sometimes other owners like bail me out by not taking deals. Cause I yeah. was shopping fields in some leagues and like I had kind of a minimum that I was looking to get and I couldn't get it from anybody because nobody was buying in after the first like three or four games. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm just gonna hold them then. Uh, and you know, now he's like flying up the rankings and I'm just, I, I literally thanked everybody in the league. I was like, thank you for not sending me a good offer for Justin Fields. Like, I'm really happy to keep him now. Uh, he just scored 50 points. Oh yeah. Oh dude. I would have been able to, if I wanted to get out, I would have been able to get a haul now. And if not, I would have just possibly bought into, you know, the development or whatever it is. Yeah, we'll see what it is, but yeah, it's a uh, it's it, that was a bad one. Definitely gotta gotta take my L there. I'm looking for what what uh what you just said actually resonates a ton because I had a tweet about that same exact thing that I was just saying like you know uh, I've been fortunate that, that certain managers haven't accepted some deals I've sent and <laughs> yeah. I've gotten other ones done. <laughs> like sometimes you just get lucky, right? I mean, part of this game we play is luck, a, a big part of it for sure. Oh yeah. I had the same situation with Fields. I was telling him before we hopped on, I'm in a league with another guy that plays in one of our listener leagues. And I think I was sitting like bottom third in the league after, I don't know, five weeks. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to get ahead of this early. And I was trying to shop Fields. I was trying to shop like Corey Davis, other guys. And it's like nobody wanted him. So I ended up stuck with Fields. And now like, I think I'll make the playoffs. I'm like, well, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Being stuck, quote unquote, with Fields is, is not terrible these days. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Now, just to balance out your horrible Derek Carr trade, I'm just going to go ahead and, and flex a little Justin Fields trade that I made uh, a couple of days back because I picked up an extra share. Um, I moved, I have a contending team. I moved Kenny Pickett, Traylon Burks, uh, and a late second round pick to get Fields, Aaron Jones, and Cordero Patterson and load up for the fantasy playoffs. So, I'm feeling pretty good uh, post a 50-point game that uh, Fields is going to do a lot more for me than than uh, Kenny Pickett down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, it's an absolute smash, dude. Like, that's that's getting ahead of the crowd and doing it the right way, not the way I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Can't man, that's, that's, a, that's a smash. So, let's see. You've, you've made that deal, and you've, you've been right on Fields, right? So, let's talk a little bit about Damian Pierce. He's been a hot topic this whole season, and and right now he's continuing the smash on a bad team, uh, the Houston Texans, mediocre team, pretty bad team. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on Pierce? Like we were just talking about this article you wrote. If anybody wants to check it out, DynastyFootballFactory.com. Really, really great article. There's a, a ton in there to take from it. But what what do you want to talk about with Damian Pierce on Dynasty Underdog? So, Damian Pierce is such an interesting study on so many different aspects of dynasty like the way we value running backs like recency bias like what have you done for me lately and just the way that he's rising in rankings where he's like a consensus top 10 dynasty running back uh is so interesting to me because it's it's like such a heavy emphasis on what's happening right now and there's just not a lot of foresight into what could happen or what is likely to happen in the future. Um, but it's very hard to make arguments with people about what's going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. And so no matter how many anecdotes or, you know, data sets you throw out there, people like to cling to the the tape, you know, what's happening right now. And so my concern with Damian Pierce, my, the basis of the article basically is that at his current market value, like what you can get for Damian Pierce, the most logical choice is to try to trade him away. Um, and the reason for that is based on the history we have of running backs drafted in rounds four, five, six, seven, and how they tend to not have a lot of staying power in the league. Uh, we've seen in recent seasons, Elijah Mitchell, James Robinson, Michael Carter, have varying degrees of success, uh, Philip Lindsay, uh, in their first season, second season, and yet not have, you know, long-term success, not get second contracts, not get high volume, you know, constantly being replaced or put into committees. So I think that's the concern with Damian Pierce that the community as as a whole isn't really seeing right now. You're absolutely right. And the, the hardest part about it from people... Uh, I'm not going to say we're exactly the same, but people like us that try to look at uh, historical trends and what's really most likely to happen in this case. It's hard, to, it's hard to argue with points. Like, this guy's scoring points. This guy's out there. Again, 20 touches, six, six straight games. Like, you can't, you can't convince anybody he's not that dude right now. So it's impossible because he's producing, but we know that, like, chances are this guy's going to end up getting replaced, if not next year, the year after. And it's a it's a hard argument to make. Billy, do we do you want to chime in there? Mm, I just think you've been fighting the good fight, man. Like I really do. <laughs> like I've been I've been watching this and and you know not really chiming in on on the Twitter sphere, but I I really you know I think you have something here. Uh, I think a big part of what you're talking about, and this is something that I think that goes along with Fields and Damian Pierce. And I just wanted to bring this point up because it is how you start your article. Oh my God, I can't say it. Passivity. <laughs> passivity thank you passivity i think this is a really strong emphasis in dynasty right for me is keeping a finger on the pulse of what's going on in the nfl i've talked i talked about this recently but one of the biggest things you can do for yourself in playing something like dynasty especially at i think the level we do where we play multiple leagues and you you focus a lot of attention on it is to really know what's going on in the league and try to be honest with yourself about what's happening and where these guys are going now you'll be wrong sometimes fields for me, right? Like on this one, but to be honest, like, I don't think we make that many mistakes like that often on this pod. Right. And 
I think the point is, is that we have a really good idea of what the NFL wants to do, what these teams are trying to do, and what these players are going to do, or what's mostly possible based on some, you know, what we're looking at with historical data sets and just what you're looking at, you know, week to week in the league. Sorry, I went on there for a minute, but yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I think I think we have to evaluate things in terms of a range of outcomes. Um, and that's the thing that I think the more casual dynasty gamers, either people who are in, you know, very few leagues or people who just aren't deep into the analysis, they don't understand that I'm not trying to t say that Damian Pierce is going to be replaced. What I'm trying to say is that there is a range of possibilities, right? Like Damian Pierce could be Arian Foster and he could continue to, he could churn out RB1 seasons for the next five years. I'm not saying that's impossible, right? And, and a lot of people in my mentions think that that's what I'm saying. Uh, uh -huh. But what I'm saying is there are possibilities. <laughs> and then a lot of all those possibilities, some are more likely and some are less likely, right? That's what I keep trying to tell people. And the most likely outcome is not that Damian Pierce is the new Saquon Barkley is the new Jonathan Taylor. It's also not the most likely that he gets cut or he gets like replaced outright, you know, and he's not relevant at all in the future. But what is very likely is that he is good enough to get touches, but not good enough to be a 90% opportunity share sort of guy like he's been this season. And he ends up being kind of this back-end RB2 on a bad team where you could have cashed out for just an insane profit. I would like to point out two things. One, Arian Foster running back for the... Houston Texans. Boom. Damian Pierce running back for the... Houston Texans. Wow. wow. What am I saying here? What am I you've saying? Really, you've really backed <laughs> me into a corner here. And also, also for our, uh, our listeners who are kind of like me and wanted to know what the hell does passivity mean? Like I looked it up here. Uh, <laughs> it, this is amazing. I love it, it is. It's a noun. It's the condition oh or quality of being passive inactivity, quiescence, or submissiveness, passiveness, opposed to activity, the tendency of a body to remain in a given state, either motion or rest, Till disturbed by another body inertia so now you know now you know what we're talking about here thank you ryan thank you no, no problem educational dynasty underdog educational yeah, pass passivity is uh is beta behavior is basically what we're trying to say here. <laughs> <Beta> <laughs> <behavior>. <laughs> oh god oh jesus uh, yes this uh, is a great pod man we have so much on this sheet man i'm excited <laughs> for it, man. This is good. I, I just have to say uh, just to illustrate my point uh, on keeptradecut.com, which I understand is not a like a foolproof measure yeah. here. Uh, Damian, Damian Pierce, Damian Pierce is valued ahead right now, uh, according to their service, of DeAndre Swift, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London. Okay, oh, man, I wish I had more Damian Pierce. So here's the thing, right? People, people are like, oh, he's scoring points right now. It's like. Okay, but are you going to be that much of a prisoner of the moment when you could get somebody who is also scoring points like Garrett Wilson or will hopefully soon maybe be scoring points like DeAndre Swift uh, and has far more future job security just because Damian Pierce is getting 20 carries a game and scoring like 14 points per game? Like, is it is it worth what you could potentially lose in the offseason to hold on to that guy? It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. No, it doesn't. No, I agree. I don't, I mean, I, when I saw him go for a 23 first uh, on, you know, in, in the Twitter world, it was a, it was a couple well-known people who made this trade. So it got around, but a 23 first for Damian Pierce, I was all on board with selling Damian Pierce right then. Yeah. Now I think you're, you know, well above that, that mark. So let's do it. Right. Like go for <laughs> it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I think, I think you're right. And I think that it's, it's tough because it is, you are battling, you know, it's hard, it's hard to, exp or it's hard to find the right word for it, but you're, you're battling a lot of people who aren't doing the depth of, of research or have the depth of knowledge or really have the, the, just the base knowledge of like, you know, he's a little bit older of a running back and that's not great. You know what I mean? Just knowing those kind of things and that you kind of want to avoid or get out of those or sell for, you know, younger same talent, whatever. Like, I think those things are lost on most people, like you're saying. And that's why, you know, you find when everybody hops in the mentions, they don't know, they don't seem to know what they're talking about. But 
that's I guess that's what we're here to do educate educate people <laughs> in some sort of way and and then make fun of them along the way all right let's uh let's talk a little dubs here Romeo Romeo uh, Dobbs sorry not dubs Romeo Dobbs uh high ankle sprain four to six weeks out but do we believe in Dobbs just wondering panel I I still do uh I mean he hurt his ankle on what was you know, Aaron Rodgers looking for him. It was early in the game. He's like, hey, we need this first down, whatever. Here's my guy, Dubs. It's like a guy I could count on, it seems like. And uh, yeah, I still do. If he misses like the rest of the season or something crazy like that, then I, you got to be completely out just given draft capital and all that stuff. So, but, you know, right now, uh, yeah, I still believe in him. I still planting my flag. I was on this show, what, a little before the season started. Um, and I... And I think I was pretty critical of the the Romeo Dubs hype that was building. Um, I probably on this said, pod, yeah, I, yeah. I would. You should. Yeah, you, <laughs> you. I can't believe you don't have the soundbite queued up. Um, but, but I I I was pretty critical of of Dobbs, and I'm still pretty skeptical long term. But he has absolutely uh, contributed more than I expected, and he has accrued more value than I expected. And so, you know, selling on him early. For I think I said to sell him for two thirds. Um, that would have been unwise because he has had some opportunity and he has that has benefited from Watson being out, but he also has earned some playing time. Um, and so now I, I think if you can sell for a second, like especially if it's a second that is like mid to early, I think I would because you're essentially going to be able to just re-roll the pick on a similar, on a player that's at least, you know, as good with probably more job security, potentially more upside. I think at that point you'd have to get out. I don't know if you can now with the injury, but if somebody in your league is still high on him and thinks that this is like a buy low moment, you can pretend like you're selling at a discount and just sell him for a second. Um, I would be totally fine with that. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't hate that idea i think that there's probably two things you can do with him right now i mean if you can get a second for him straight up off the injury that's probably not terrible you can try to buy low on him over the next four to six weeks if you are a believer in in dobbs like you don't have to rush it really at all you can wait till people kind of forget what he did and probably buy into him so if that's what you want to do what i've been doing i mean i i'd like to hold on to a share somewhere where like you know it doesn't really matter but in places where i'm really trying to compete i've been trying to throw him into a deal to upgrade kind of thing, you know, upgrade to a, a different wide receiver, like an act, you know, one that's going to actually hit or has already hit something <laughs> like that. And I like, I'm the, I'm the Dobbs guy, but I do understand like where he came, you know, where he comes from, what his draft capital is and you know, the odds. So it's like, I'd much rather just go get something I'm absolutely positive of. No, I mean, I have a bunch of shares of him. This injury definitely hurt, but <laughs> there's no way around it. I was planning on selling some before the deadlines on the leagues. I do have deadlines in, but the leagues I don't have deadlines in. If I get a second, I'd probably take it right now. Yeah, I think you could buy for a third if you want. Um, if, if somebody's willing to sell for that, maybe in a few weeks, they'd be more willing to. Um, but yeah, with the second round pick, I think, you know, you're looking at Dobbs, who, who was a fourth round pick in the real draft, who is now going to miss a good amount of time. You know, you know, it's a depth chart where, I mean, who knows what the Packers will do, but you know, it's a depth chart where there, there should be competition added. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, you know, year to year. So it just seems like kind of a no, like, I don't think you can lose if you trade for a second, like you're going to get a player who's going to have as much value as Dobbs heading into next year is going to have probably higher draft pedigree, potentially better profile, you know, it's unlikely that you end up regretting that trade. Whereas if you give away something valuable for Dobbs, it's a lot more likely that it's going to go poorly for you. I'm convinced. Okay. Cooks over Hines. I was just looking at uh, Snapshare and all that stuff. I didn't realize that Hines was brand new to the team, but <clears throat> just, you know, something fun to talk about. Uh, is uh, James Cook uh, ahead of Hines there at Buffalo? <sighs> I mean, who who knows really? The, I, I, uh, I was... I was listening to the uh, the the bulletproof podcast. Jacob Sanderson is one of my favorite analysts on Twitter, and he was talking about how the Bills have this constant desire, apparently, to go out and get this position that their team doesn't use. Like they keep <laughs> they, they keep trying to get satellite backs, but they they don't use satellite backs. Like they try to sign JD McKissick, and then they go out and they draft James Cook, and then they replace James Cook. And it's like I don't get what they think that they need. Um, 
But I also kind of feel like with Hines, like punt returning was probably just as much of a consideration as it was as the offensive side of the ball. Like they only gave up a sixth rounder and and Zach Moss, who which is like nothing. Like he's he's not worth anything. Um so I don't even know how much they plan to use him on offense. That being said, I think Hines is probably better than Cook. Like he's he's a veteran. He's got the same sort of like speed, explosiveness, you know, we know he can catch the ball. So I don't know. I don't really see any fantasy upside for either of these guys, especially with Singletary there. I think this is just a situation where people got ahead of themselves with, with James Cook because he was drafted in the second round and maybe lost sight of the fact that he wasn't a good prospect other than that and that he never carried a load in college. Paul, didn't you know he was going to be a slot receiver? For, for the <laughs> yeah, oh, for, my goodness. For a good minute, though, yes. Running backs used as slot receivers is the oh, biggest God. false flag in fantasy I, like, football. Yeah, dude. I, I, there's a, there's a, <laughs> if nobody knows, there is a, a troll on Twitter who, who jumps into Paul's mentions to tell him that uh, Cooks was going to be their slot receiver uh, this year. And, <laughs> and therefore I mean, he, he was, was lined up in the slot during practice. <laughs> like, didn't you see it? He was the pick at 102, apparently. He oh, was yeah. His 102. Locked in league winner. Oh, my God. In yeah. high stakes drafts, he said. He said, yeah. that's <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I got really screwed over, actually, due to Hines. Now, I didn't expect him to go off or anything, but I expected point, two points, maybe <laughs> something. And I lost by two points. Wow. That's it's a really bad beat. Really bad beat. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think Hines will be more involved going forward at some level but it's not anything you want to put in your lineup. So yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, ugh, I should have sold as soon as he got traded the, to the bills. Cause that would be the move with a guy like, like Hines. Um, but yeah, now you got to wait. And I don't really believe in James cook there either because they don't use the position. Yeah, <laughs> so that, yeah. that's, that's just what it is. They both lost the trade. They both lost <laughs> exactly. the trade, basically Hines yeah. Hines has less opportunity in that style of offense. Cook gets further buried down the depth chart. Like, I don't know if you could throw out a fourth round pick for James Cook or something right now, if somebody's like really tilting on his value, like you could grab him because there's a chance that Singletary leaves in free agency. Maybe he's the, the co-starter or whatever. I mean, obviously you're going to sell him as soon as he garners exactly. any kind of hype, <laughs> exactly, but, yeah. but if you're trying to just play the market, I think it's possible that a guy like Cook sees a value spike at some point because he's in a, a high powered offense. He still has draft capital. He's capable of making a highlight play. So if you want to play it from that angle, I'm all for it. But just be aware that he's not going to be a fantasy relevant asset at any at any point. I like that. Okay, so he's definitely not going to do anything. But if you want to buy him and sell him in the market, <laughs> definitely. No, I, I mean, I totally get it. I, I do that sometimes playing the market. And I think it's smart, especially if you can turn a fourth into a third, second, whatever it is, you, you kind of do that. So, okay, cool. Are we buying Terrace Marshall? Just looking at it, snap percent over the last three weeks, 86, 93, 92, after just like 45% in the first couple weeks. And wide receiver, 66, 27, 12. Looking at the past two weeks, 12.5, or sorry, 12.7 fantasy points and PPR, 14.3. Nine targets, six targets past couple weeks. Uh, it's been okay as far as the production goes, but the targets and you know, the, he's on the, he's on the field. The opportunity is there. What, what do we think? Is it time to buy into Terrace Marshall? Are you selling on him? Are you holding, what are we doing? I honestly have no idea what the market thinks right now on Terrace Marshall, which makes it hard to answer the question. Um, I'm, and I'm kind of a boring analyst in the sense that I, I don't have super strong player takes that are individual to the player. Like Terrace Marshall is a percentage to me. Like, <laughs> I, like Terrace Marshall is this is why people hate you Paul. yeah he's a he's a he's a he's a percentage like all i care about with terrace marshall like forget lsu forget like his size athleticism whatever what i know about terrace marshall is that he walked into a team where he should have immediately seen the field and instead he was a healthy scratch to shy smith for an entire year and then it took robbie anderson getting traded who's apparently <laughs> completely washed for him to get onto the field and now yes he's running all the routes on a team that has one nfl quality wide receiver and he's getting targets because the panthers are behind in every single game i don't know like and pj walker it, like somebody <laughs> needs to tell me walker. the difference somebody needs to tell me the difference between terrace marshall right now and marquez calloway last season like what is the difference he's a guy who's getting opportunity because there's nobody there and people like him because he did have a good draft profile but after what he did in year one i just don't know if that matters 
anymore. Yeah, I was going to say maybe draft capital. He's a second round pick, right? From the Panthers. Right. But then he totally face planted. Oh, totally. No, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I was never in on him really. Like, I thought he was a fine receiver coming out and film review. He was okay. It, the, the profile didn't really stick out to me or, or get me going. So I'd be selling here if we can. Like, I picked him up off waivers in a dynasty league because, you know, it was that bad. And this is a fairly deep league, and I'm trying to move him right now. Uh, but, you know, it may pick up even for him because, like Paul said, they're behind, and he's the, you know, one of the better of <laughs> of the few that they have there. And they hate DJ Moore. Yeah, they hate DJ Moore. Totally. So, yeah, I, I think I think that there can be more production over the next couple of weeks, but there's opportunity to move on from Terrace Marshall now. And uh, there was not that window in sight before, so I think you take it. Yeah, just to apply some context here, I – I don't think you have to sell him for anything that you can get. Like if somebody offers you a third round pick and you don't want to take that and you're like, I just want to ride it out with Marshall. I think that's fine. Like end of the day, if he flames out, you lost a third round pick, like who cares? Um, But if you can package him to upgrade a position or you can like, or if somehow you can flip him for a second round pick or add a little bit to get a second round pick, you absolutely have to do that because the odds that he's ever going to be more than like a bi-week flex play at this point are just so insanely low that you need to try to get something of, of like material value. Am I not buying him? I'm trying to sell him and I'm getting nothing. <sighs> yeah. I mean, so that maybe that says where the market's at, like, like Paul was saying, we don't really know. So maybe, maybe they're not into it yet. And I, and again, I think that there's opportunity for that to grow that, that want to grow right. For, for Terrace Marshall. <laughs> they're out there somewhere. <laughs> Some, somewhere, somebody is out there. Who, who still is a, a Terrace Marshall truther. So search for that person and, and move on from Marshall if you can. But I do agree with Paul. You don't need to do it for nothing because, you know, there is, I think, again, opportunity to do it later and you never know. So we'll see. Uh, all right, sell Juju. What do we got here? What do we got here? Are we selling Juju? Yeah, we're selling Juju in all, uh, in all fantasy football formats. Okay. This is a dynasty show, so we can talk dynasty here. I think he's most clearly worth selling in dynasty leagues. Uh, because he is on a one-year deal, and I don't think that the Chiefs are going to fork over a big contract for Juju after they just traded away Tyree Kill. Like, I don't see what the point of that would be. Um, I don't think he's necessarily offering something to their offense that's totally irreplaceable. Uh, so this came about, I was, I was just looking a little bit into his production because he's obviously had some big games recently. Um, he's been a top 10 wide receiver the last three weeks in, uh, in PPR scoring. So I was like, okay, like, what's going on? Did his role change? Like, is he settling into a new offense? Uh, and it turns out, no, his role, his usage <laughs> hasn't changed at all. He he is being used the same way he was being used at the beginning of the year. Um, he's forty third in the NFL in target share. He's got a nineteen percent target share. Um, it's not it's not impressive. It's very very average. Now he plays in a Patrick Mahomes offense, which means the targets are good and that there's a lot of pass attempts go around. Uh, he had 12 targets in this past game, and that was only a 17.6% target share because Patrick Mahomes threw it 68 times. So, you know, he's benefiting from situation, and he'll continue to benefit from the situation he's in. I don't think he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver every week because he's had an 88% catch rate the last three games. He's had a higher yards per reception than his career average, and and this year average would lead me to believe is sustainable. Um, but... He's probably going to still be, you know, a low end wide receiver two, maybe a mid wide receiver two the rest of the year. Um, but I just, I see, you know, the future for him going to most likely a worse situation because you can't really top the Chiefs offense um, in a place, a guy that's not really commanding a lot of volume, um, who's not, he doesn't have a high depth of target. So he's not making big plays, he's not catching a lot of passes relative to the past attempts. I just don't see a lot of upside in the future. And so I feel like if you can capitalize on these last three games where he's looked like a potential, you know, league winning wide receiver, I would be looking to do that. It's interesting. I looking at his numbers, like it's it's kind of amazing the you know, what you just threw out there. Cause he has eight eight or more targets in six of the nine games he's played, which is pretty wild. But yeah, they're they're throwing the ball a ton. So I guess it it doesn't really matter. And he only has two top 10 finishes this year on that on that target share so it's not great so i mean i can see it i'd like to package him up and get something nice because i imagine people are intrigued by juju right now for sure 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Chiefs are third in pass attempts per game. Um, and obviously their quality of pass attempts is one of the highest in the league with Patrick Mahomes. So he, he's kind of in an ideal situation, which is amazing because he went from the Steelers where he was also sort of propped up by a situation, not necessarily good quarterback play, but the highest pass attempts per game in the league for like three straight seasons uh, in, in Pittsburgh. So he's just constantly been a guy who gets like low depth of target, relatively low target shares, but he gets insane target totals because he finds himself in these offenses that throw constantly. Uh, and eventually I feel like his luck is going to run out and people are going to realize he's more of like a wide receiver three type. So that's why I'm trying to get out while I can. I'm on board with that 100%. I've been holding on to the guy for like two years now and there's probably no better time than now to sell. So yeah, uh, bringing some context to him. I, I really like that. So I'm on board. Yeah, I'd be selling if I had any shares. <laughs> yeah, I, I sold my last share. I actually had a, a trade offer that was sent out before this most recent game, Monday Night Football, where he had the 10 catches for 88 yards. Um, and so I, I definitely made a trade that I think most would consider selling low. And I think I'd probably consider selling low, but I hadn't really got a lot of interest for him in this league. Um, I'm a rebuilding team. I have a lot of wide receiver depth. And he's just one of these guys that He's scoring points, so I don't really want him on my team because I'm trying to lock up Bijan Robinson, and yeah. uh, and uh, I just don't really need him long term. And so I'm just trying to get rid of him. And I had sent out an offer, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, straight up for Greg Dulcich. Uh, it's a 1.5 tight end premium league, and of course I woke up Tuesday morning after Monday Night Football, and that trade had been accepted. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I probably could have at least grabbed another late pick or something after you know what he did in the game. I can make a good argument for it. But that being said, I am pretty okay with it um, because I'm really high on Greg Dulcich and I kind of feel like we need to talk a little bit about the tight end position as a whole. But but I think Greg Dulcich right now, even playing three games in the NFL, has a pretty legitimate case to be regarded as like a top six or seven dynasty tight end. Six or seven. Okay, that was going to ask you what, what you think the the heights for Dulcich are or however you pronounce it. But that's interesting. I, I mean, that's definitely hot. Juju for, for Dolchich is pretty, <laughs> pretty hot. I mean, it's just because you obviously know you can, at that point, you probably can get more for him. I, I, I don't know. I'm surprised you sent that anyway. I'm surprised you didn't ask for a pick back in that trade before Monday Night Football because he had had a couple of good games. But regardless, I'm not like, if that's what you think he's going to be, I'm not mad at you for it. But yeah, let's talk about the tight end landscape a little bit. We've done this recently, but I think it's changed a lot. So it's definitely mm -hmm. a good idea. I mean, we just had a 2022 class come in of, we're talking about Greg Dolchich for the Broncos, uh, Trey McBride, who hasn't really gotten his opportunity yet for the Cardinals, Kate Otten, who looks great with Tom Brady, of course, in Tampa, and then Isaiah Likely, who's stepped in for Mark Andrews the past week or so here when he's been injured and has actually performed pretty well here and there anyway. So what do we think about this, you know, just the position? Because we're seeing, you know, Darren Waller, I don't know if he'll ever make it back into the top, you know, four area, maybe top five. Hawkinson might be somebody to throw in there too because he's he's on a team that's actually going to use him now in Minnesota. But I don't know. What what are your thoughts on this coming from that, that Dolchich trade, Paul? So tight end is super weird because uh, there's like so few players at the position that matter. Um and so you can throw out numbers like, oh, this guy is the 10th or 11th or 12th best. Um, but a lot of times that just doesn't matter because like the scoring for the position is really flat. Uh, they score less points than other positions. And so like you could have the sixth best tight end in a season, but that tight end might score as many points as like the 28th best wide receiver and also might only score like one or two more points per game than like the 20th best tight end. So like when you're talking about finding an advantage at the position, uh, it's been very difficult to do in recent years, which is why, you know, the Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey have always been so valuable. And it's why Kyle Pitts hype kind of got insane this off season because of what people thought he could be as this like 1200 yard, you know, tight end, uh, kind of a unicorn at the position. And so, when you're looking at tight ends, it's important to realize that like the ones in the middle just don't really matter at all. Like take um like Gerald Everett is a perfect example, right? Like he's 28 years old. He's having a pretty solid season. He's like 
off the top of my head, probably tight end seven, tight end eight, maybe tight end nine, whatever. Um, you know, totally serviceable tight end one production. But in Dynasty, there's like no incentive for you to trade for that type of player or for somebody to trade for that type of player because the points that he's giving you are not a significant advantage over like a dozen other tight ends that you can pick up. Um, he doesn't have the potential, I mean, that I think I think that we've seen. I don't think he has the potential to go off for any kind of like 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns sort of season. So those types of guys are very easy for me to just push down, which is why I'm willing to put Dulcich so high just off of the potential that he's someone who does move the needle. Like I'm willing to just throw him above all the guys that I know don't move the needle, even though they may outscore him and he might flame out. Um, having them doesn't actually do you any good. And so that's kind of the logic where I'm coming from with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Do you think, what was I going to ask here? Uh, oh, do you think like what Dolchers is, I mean, you obviously do, I guess, in a way, but I mean, Dolchers has been pretty off the charts. Like, do you really think it's sustainable for what he's doing? I mean, he's in an offense where I feel like the other pieces are pretty good and they aren't being used. And some of the issues, is the quarterback, Clearly, that offense isn't working the way that they want it to be. So, Dolce's being a product of that. <laughs> I don't know if that's something that they want to want to do long term. You know what I mean? So, I'm wondering if like this is a thing that's sustainable at all with him. Well, I can't speak for the coaching staff or what they want to do. Um, but I mean, they they did draft him in the third round, so they definitely like wanted him on the team to some extent. Um, and I think looking at the way he was used in college, he had a 98th percentile yards per reception. I think that's really key for knowing how he's going to be used. Like, you know how the, like there's running backs, right? Like, like Christian McCaffrey who run actual routes and get targets down the field. And then there's running backs like Leonard Fournette who get like one yard dump offs or like screens by the line of scrimmage. And right. like, there's no a big... shade on Fournette around here. All right. No, no, no. Listen, right. it's about, no, it's no, about I'm a usage. <laughs> him. <laughs> no, no shade on Rashad White's future backup. Um, oh. So, so the thing is with tight ends is the same way. Like, there's different usage for tight ends. Like, we know guys like Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts. They get these targets down the field. They get these deep seam routes, right? And then there's other tight ends, um, like a Tyler Higby who is getting like a two yard out, you know, or like a, a slant, right? And so. With Dulcich, he had that usage in college. And then you look in the NFL, right? And he's got a 13.3 average depth of target. He's being used um, in high value situations for tight ends. So what I don't know, I don't know how sustainable his target share is. I don't know if he's going to you know, be able to maintain an 18% target share. Um, I have no idea. But he is doing really well for a rookie tight end, which is something we don't really see. Uh, and he is being used, he has the seventh most deep targets of all tight ends, and he's only played three games. So I really like the way that he's being used. And so with Dulcich, I feel like it's pretty safe that he's the starter next year. Um, I do still think that Russell Wilson knows how to play football. I think he just forgot uh, for a little while. But uh, I do believe that he will play That's better right. than he has played at some point in the future. Um, so you've got you know at least a, an average to above average quarterback You've got job security. You've got explosive playability. Um, and so, yeah, for all those reasons, I think that he's well worth taking a shot on to potentially earn some kind of positional advantage. Okay. How do we feel about Kate Otten? I think this is an interesting situation because I think it's a, it's pretty dependent on Tom Brady. Maybe I'm wrong there, but he, you know, he's a guy who knows how to use the tight end position, knows how to get these guys in the right spots. But, I mean, he's, he's been performing – here and there he's been up and down we have seen him a couple games with with yards per target over over 10 around 12 really but a couple lower than that too so how do we feel about Kate Otten going forward is he a sell candidate after this you know whatever 17 point game it was in regular leagues 20 point in uh tight end premium I, said, I don't think you're he's one of these classic examples of a guy you just kind of want to wait and see like he had a couple of good games and it could be something he's a rookie tight end so you kind of want to see where that goes I don't think you're going to get anything right now i don't think you're gonna get any like this massive uh payoff for him so i don't even think it's worth uh trying to move personally yeah i don't think anybody's gonna pay up for kate otten at the moment um I, he wasn't even really on my radar honestly i don't think i got him in any i don't even know if he was drafted in any of my rookie drafts uh fourth round pick wasn't like he didn't go to a 
He wasn't. I snagged, like I snagged him off waivers everywhere. So yeah. you're probably right. He has like no athleticism metrics listed on player profiler. <laughs> like he's. <laughs> He's, is he even real? Does he exist? <laughs> yeah. K. Dotton apparently does exist and apparently had a uh, 92nd percentile college dominator uh, oh. at Washington. He was the first pick of the fourth round. Um, and I mean, you can't argue with the fact that he's, you know, he's earned over 90% of the snaps in two games this year, over 80% in uh, four of his last five games. So he's running routes. Uh, he's commanding targets, um, you know, regardless of who's on the team. Right, he he is making it happen, which is not really what we expect with rookie tight ends. So I think there's something there. Um, I don't think he looks like the type of tight end that is ever going to be truly a difference maker. He looks exactly like the kind of tight end that, like, four years from now, will catch twelve touchdowns in a season <laughs> uh, as like a as like a last round pick, and everybody's gonna freak out, and then he'll get overdrafted the next year. Like that's that's what he looks like to me. Um, a young Cameron Bright. Yeah, no, literally, like a young Cameron Bray or like um, like Eric Ebron without the athleticism. Or yeah, something, I, knew, you know? I knew you were going there with the touchdowns. <laughs> I knew you were going there. That's great. So, but but yeah, I mean, if you pick them up off waivers, just hold on to him. Like, if nobody's going to trade for him, you might as well keep him. You know, dynasty benches are deep, and he's at least a guy who's looks like a starter. You know, for the time being. So, just roll with it. Playable. All right, last one here we can talk about is Isaiah Likely. Uh, athlete taken over from Mark Andrews and he he turns out a good a good game tight end eight on the week what was it <clears throat> five targets one reception 24 yards and a touchdown uh the week before that though I, I I didn't even notice that that's what actually happened in that game wow that's amazing but uh then he he had the week before seven targets six catches 77 yards and a touchdown so he obviously has the ability has the upside but has Mark Andrews in his way so what do you do with with Isaiah likely exactly do you just hold him and hope for the upside and then move him then, or, or I don't know, what do you do with this guy? This is a bizarre case because it's like the classic talent versus situation debate. And I'm always on the talent side, but this just seems like such an insurmountable circumstance that he's in where like, obviously Mark Andrews isn't leaving the Ravens. Like he, he's going to be there long-term he's young. Um, you can't even really compare this to like Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz because Andrews is so young all right now. And uh, and even if likely gets used a lot with Andrews on the field, like two tight end sets, they use him as a wide receiver. You're talking about a passing game that just doesn't have a lot of volume to go around. Like we already saw Rashad Bateman struggling. We haven't really been able to see two consistently uh, productive pass catchers in this offense. And so for me to believe that with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews there long-term, that we're going to see this situation where we have two high-end tight ends coming out of one of the lowest pass volume offenses. It's just really hard to wrap my head around. Um, and so I feel like the best move is if somebody's really going to pay up for him as if he's like a top 10 option that you're going to have to, you're going to have to move him. Yeah, I agree. So I I'm interested in what you think. I'll, I'm going to just segue right into a trade here before we hop into some of the other stuff we have, we'll get back to more trades later, but it's just topical for this. So in a team where I on a team where I have Mark Andrews and I'm competing this year uh, for a championship, my team's quite loaded. I got an offer like I have more top end receivers than is worth mentioning, but I also had Wandale Robinson and somebody was trying to move Isaiah Likely over to me because of the Mark Andrews situation, and I was totally down for it because I think he, in in certain situations, like it it might be really great to cuff Andrews here. Because in any game, you'll know that you can start likely over him, most likely, most likely, if he's going to be, if he's, if Andrew's going to be out like this Monday night game where they're like doubtful, perfect, I can slide likely right in there and he should be productive. Do you think that this is a good or a bad trade? Uh, and I don't think I needed to give the pickup, but I just wanted to get this done. Wandale Robinson and a fourth for Isaiah likely. I think it's a fine trade. I think in a vacuum, I'd rather have Wando because I think yeah. he's got more upside. But I think in your situation, you're talking about a loaded team, a contender, you're handcuffing your tight end. Like, you're not going to be able to buy a more a more productive tight end for Wando Robinson straight up. So you might as well go and get the insurance policy, right? Like if you could trade yep. Wandale and go out and get another tight end who's like, you know, top six, top seven, then sure. But you're not going to be able to do that. So to be able to like cheaply ensure that no matter what you have the Ravens starting tight end, I think that makes sense. 
Um, and I'm totally fine with that move. Yeah, I don't hate it. I thought you were going to wreck me on that, Paul, because because uh, the Wandale love. I mean, I'm a, I like Wandale too, but it just it just felt like it was necessary. And the other the other part of the equation that I've found with teams like this. Sorry to cut you off there and talk a lot, <laughs> but uh, is is when I don't have picks to offer up for players like Isaiah Likely, then I have to go to the back end players that I have. You know what I mean? So it's like at that point, Wandale became the expendable piece. That, that makes sense. No, I think it makes sense. And I think one of the things that I've become more comfortable with in Dynasty is just taking taking assets that I, I feel confident are not ever going to be like life-ruining assets and just being okay with moving them, like being flexible with those pieces. Like, I don't think we're going to fall into a situation where Wandale Robinson becomes like a top 12 wide receiver and you're like kicking yourself because you traded him for, you know, a few games of Mark Andrews insurance. Like, I don't see that happening. I don't think Wandale's ever going to reach that sort of height. And so maybe he hits as like a couple wide receiver two seasons and maybe that ends up being more valuable, but it's not the type of thing that's going to like, ruin your life in hindsight and so i think you just need to be flexible with those types of players cool okay back to the tight ends by njoku absolutely by david njoku he's one of the few players that's ranked ahead of greg dulcich in dynasty i think (laughs) yeah so i i think after you get past kelsey and andrews and pitts and i think there's good arguments to be made for goddard and then maybe you have like Kittle and Fryermuth and Hawkinson sort of in a tier, like those guys. After you get past those guys, um, Greg Dulcich and David Njoku are the big risers, I think. Um, get Dalton Schultz out of here. Like he's oh, just please. he's he's just a guy. He's a mere mortal. He's not an athlete. He he gets hurt and, and now, <laughs> you know. He's uh, not an athlete. He's not an athlete. Chopping him down. This uh, NFL player has yeah. no legs. This at this NFL, as I sit here, you know, in my desk chair with my headset on, <laughs> Dalton Eagles Schultz fan. Not an athlete. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, I I think with Dalton Schultz, it was always a volume play. Like the guy has no long term contract. He hasn't been productive this year, and this year was kind of what you were banking on. And so it's like, okay, what what are we? doing here with Dalton Schultz are we that confident in the talent long term that he's going to get like a big deal big contract and continue to produce like just like these other guys I listed he doesn't bring anything to the table that's special as a tight end he was just like getting lots of targets um he was kind of like the poor man Zacherts right but uh but at this point I, I don't know I don't see any reason to have him highly valued but with David Njoku there's a lot there because Njoku he was a very good prospect coming out. He has an incredible um, athletic profile. He has a long-term contract. He has a star quarterback, by the way, coming back in week 12. Um, and this season, he's kind of finally been able to become a full-time player. He's playing all the snaps. He's sixth in snap share at the position. Um, and he's seventh in targets per out run. He's eighth in target share. Like He's finally becoming that guy that people thought he was going to be but it's happened so far after the fact that he's kind of like a post hype sleeper at this point where like people don't realize what he's doing, but he's like actually doing what we thought. Like he's seventh in expected fantasy points per game right now. Um, so he should like, if he was scoring, you know, exactly what you'd expect based on his opportunity, he would be the tight end seven. Um, and I think in points per game, he actually is, he's missed a few games now, but in points per game, he is the tight end seven. And I think when you give him a star quarterback, like maybe that offense takes a little step forward and you've got like a real, you know, top five potential option here. I mean, I dig it. I definitely dig it. I think right now is the time to do it. He's injured and people don't probably don't have Deshaun Watson on, you know, in mind when you're making a trade with them at this moment. So this is something I think Uriah, maybe you and I explore in that Debbie league, even though we have like some good back end guys, we might be able to work a deal to get Njoku on our team and fix our problem there. So that's something I was thinking about as he was talking about this. I think it's a good idea. Go trade Isaiah Likely and like a little tiny plus on top and go get David Njoku. We do have Likely in that league. We do, yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think we can make that happen. If you're willing to move on from Likely, you're, uh, maybe we make that offer later. Yeah, I need Njoku back on one of my teams. Okay, let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll make that offer and we'll come back next week and let y'all know about that. That's a good one. Okay, real quick here. Wait, sorry, go ahead, Paul. What? I was going to say, that per- sounds perfect. I didn't know you had like the team, but it works <laughs> out. And uh, let me know how it goes. <laughs> Love it. All right. We're going to pick up the pace slightly. Maybe not. We'll see. Cole Komet. 
what do we think? Two touchdowns. Can you even, you, you can't buy them at this point, right? Like if you're a seller, maybe you can do it. But after the two touchdown game and fields just going berserk, like you just have to love the shares that you have of them, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not interested. I'm good. Are, you, you just, so what would, what you would be selling him, right? So you'd move him for what? Anything oh, right yeah. now? Like, uh, I'd move him for pff, third, second. For. What are you doing here? I would move him for any other tight end that's scoring similar points right now plus anything else on top like if somebody likes him because he's young and you can trade him for like gerald everett and a third like just do that like just trade him for like another tight end and pick up a late pick you get the same points and you get like something that might be valuable later kate on and a third perfect okay all right nice baseline i like it <laughs> josh is sitting here he's like i like Matt. i don't care what <laughs> i got nothing to say but uh, yeah. I, I disagree <laughs> I'm about that point where let me see what I can get for him. Okay, good. I like it. Go move him for a second straight up or something. See if you can get a somebody who really really go to the fields owner. You know what's a good idea? Go to the fields manager and see what they'll give you for him. That's a good idea. Okay, next one here. Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love Plus. Anybody trying that? Because that it all sounds terrible to me. Both yeah. sides sound <laughs> terrible to me. This is yeah. me. Yeah. So uh one of my buddies, he, we talk at work all the time, and he's he's got he plays keeper, but he's like, Man, I've been trying to get Jordan Love on my team. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna drop some dude and I'm gonna try to get him because blah blah Aaron's washed and, and I was like, Man, I don't know, maybe it's just like we're at that point in the season where I'm like, I don't know, yeah, that doesn't sound like a terrible idea to me. <laughs> this sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea to me because then you'd have Jordan Love on your fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> We don't really have to talk about it, but this is absolutely not something you would do. No, uh, no, this is something I would do because Jordan Love isn't good at football. Um, he's <laughs> he's not. He's is Aaron Rodgers? If if Jordan Love was going to be the Packers <laughs> starter, who knows anymore? I don't know. Um, I do not have either of them on any of my dynasty rosters, so I do not have to make this decision. But if you're going to trade Aaron Rodgers, I would just suggest getting something valuable in return and not Jordan Love. Like Perfect. okay. But for real, in in a dynasty league, like a super flex dynasty league, would you take a second straight up for Aaron Rodgers right now? If I don't need the points, I, I see it's tough because with quarterbacks, like when you make a trade for a quarterback, like the mm-hmm. other person always wants a quarterback. Like even if that quarterback isn't <laughs> right. valuable, yeah. Right. So I feel like value wise, like yeah, I'd rather have an early second than Aaron Rodgers. But in the practicality of getting trades done, I'd probably be trying to move him in a deal to get another quarterback that's not named Jordan Love um <laughs> like okay like here's something you could do right like kenny kenny pickett has been awful at, uh at, for the steelers like he's been terrible and he probably is terrible but he was a first round pick and he is going to start for them next year and if you could trade aaron Rodgers and even like a little something small for kenny pickett i feel like i would do that because next summer the pittsburgh media is going to hype the heck out of kenny pickett and all these weapons that he has on offense and how he's definitely making a leap forward and then you can sell him as like a borderline top 12 quarterback and you've just you've just recovered all the value yeah no i i'm all on board with that i agree 100 percent with that kind of trade yeah okay yeah tell your boy don't do that all right i don't know <laughs> all right <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to quickly talk about this interesting keeper situation. I threw it in the DFF chat, so Paul might be familiar with it already. But I just think this highlights kind of the struggle with keeper leagues and and why they can be fun or, I don't know, maybe you find this not fun. We'll see. But I have this situation where I got to Higgins, and the way way that a lot of keeper leagues work is, you know, you draft a player in a certain round, let's say round 10, and each year you keep them after that. You, they, the round that you can't that what you the round you lose your pick in will be a round higher right so if i had him for a 10th round pick last year then it'll be a ninth round pick next year eighth round pick and so on unless i don't want to keep him so i have t higgins as an eighth round keeper going into next year and i also have garrett wilson as an eighth round keeper going into next year so one of them is not going to be on my team unfortunately so that puts me in a, in a tough spot right it puts you in a spot where your league mates pretty much know this like if you're putting a guy on on the market they're going to be looking at your team and wondering why is this happening and know like all right he cannot keep him so he's got to take something right so the initial offers i got i just wanted to go over and see if anybody would be intrigued by these uh given their keeper status uh of the other players that is so ones i got were all right so the initial offer i got was romeo dobbs and jacoby myers for garrett wilson and 
Uh, that's an 11th round uh, pick for, sorry, 12th round pick for Dobbs and a 15th round pick for Myers. So both very late picks, uh, you know, obviously would free up some earlier picks is, is the idea. Uh, and I think the other one was Dolchich, which he's a super late keeper as well. I forgot. He's like 15th round or 16th round or something like that. So it's either Dolchich and Myers or Dobbs and Myers. Do either one of those intrigue anybody when you have to give up Wilson? Right. So the, the, obviously the value is like totally skewed because you have to get rid of. So just to be clear, like, yes, that's not a fair return for Garrett Wilson, but in this situation it might be um, also how many, so how many keepers do you get? That's a good point. Six. Okay. Cause I was going to say like, why would you even think about keeping like Jacoby Myers? Like, I don't see the point in doing that. However, Dolcich has a late round pick who I think could legitimately be like a sixth or seventh round tight end next year. That's pretty interesting. Um, because you're basically getting like a high upside tight end flyer for absolutely nothing. Um, so that's kind of what I was thinking. I think yeah. that's cool. However, I kind of feel like tactically it might make more sense to trade Higgins. So my, okay. my, uh, you did post this in the chat. I was thinking about it a little bit. Um, and what, what I think is going into next year, like if I'm looking in the crystal ball, looking at ADP next year, I think T Higgins is probably going to fall in basically right where he was this year as like a late second, early third round pick um, because of the offense, because Jamar Chase is, is still the, the alpha there. Um, looking at Garrett Wilson, I think he's going to have sort of a Jalen Waddle-esque jump into like the late third, early fourth. And so straight up in a vacuum, I'd rather have Higgins. But I also think that if you can kind of make your league mates feel as if Wilson or Higgins is the guy you're going to keep, unless you get a good offer for Higgins, you might be able to leverage a better return. <laughs> like, I dig, yeah, I dig that. Yeah, that's that's like, a good strategy for like sure. Like if you're like, I'm going to keep Higgins and uh, drop Wilson unless somebody convinces me to get rid of Higgins. And then if you get even like a slightly better offer for Higgins, I'd rather take that and then keep Wilson because I don't think they're that different for next year. That's a pretty hot take too. I love, I love me some Higgins, but that's it's got to be pretty high on, on Wilson there for sure. I I'm super high on Wilson. I mean, because Elijah Moore just totally fell off the map. Like I thought the two, oh, of them were gonna, man. I, thought, I thought the two of them would cannibalize <sighs> each other. I thought, you know, they'd have to compete for target share, but I mean, Garrett Wilson is just like the straight up alpha there. And he's been, I mean, he's been outproducing Higgins this season. If you look at the numbers, I think he, they're at least very comparable. Um, and, and Wilson's a rookie and he's going to be the number one option in that passing game next year. So, uh, I still think Higgins is in the better offense. And for that reason, I think he probably projects better, but I don't think it's a big gap. Okay. I like it. I like it. Okay. I, I mean, I got a bunch of hot takes tonight. I know, Billy's of, like, I can't, I can't actually trade any of I'm, my T Higgins shows. <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating over here. And that is, that is the problem. Like I, I have like seven T Higgins shares and I'm unwilling to part with any of them, any of them, but you know, maybe, maybe I do need to, to lessen the load a little bit and, and, and approach this a different way. But I, I do think that's the way to get the most value, most bang for my buck, given that people know my situation. Like, it's so unlike Dynasty where, like, they, maybe people don't know where my motivation is coming from. Like, they know the motivation. So it's tough. That's why I wanted to bring it up. thought it was an interesting uh interesting one uh before we move to the trades or maybe this is how we start off our trades i just want to say this a listener hit me up on twitter just now and said i got fields four weeks ago for jimmy g and a third on a contender or to a contender for jimmy g and a third to a contender he sent and got justin fields Whew. damn wow yeah. it's gotta feel great now it's getting hot in here now it's getting hot in here <laughs> oh man all right about to take my shirt off off that after that one Okay, let's get into it. Trades and non-trades. Who's got this first one? This one's me. This one's kind of interesting. So, Kenny Pickett, 23 second, 24 first for Justin Fields. Superflex. Um, man. That 24 first is going to be valuable, but, you know, Fields is also very valuable right now. Probably a borderline top 12 Superflex startup pick. Uh, so... I'd say that value is pretty fair. And the fact that you're going to get the points from fields this year and next year, I think I'm fine with that trade. If you're in like a competitive window, I don't think you have to make that deal. If your team is like really bad, like, I don't think you have to consolidate that much value into one player, but if you're looking for a piece, that's going to help you, um, you know, grab a top five quarterback, like I'm all for it. I dig it. Yeah. I, I actually like the field side of this. this is exactly the kind of trade I would do for a player like fields now. 
I uh, just kind of, kind of try to overwhelm the the manager with an offer because I do think this is a good one, but 24 is far enough out where if you really want to get that pick back, I think you can find a way to get that pick back. Uh, so I, I dig it all aboard. Yeah. I'm all about the field side in this one. Yeah. This came in my inbox uh, today and I'm actually, I'm the field's uh, manager. So. Oh yeah. Hold on tight, brother. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Hold on tight. Yeah. I, I don't like, I don't, honestly, I like the field side a good bit. So yeah. God, man, I hate myself. Okay. <laughs> Question on these. Uh, Wait, what if, it, what if it was Derek Carr in a 24 first for fields? What would you do? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Wait, did you say Derek Carr or Derek Henry? Yeah, yeah. No, oh, Derek, Derek Carr. Carr. Yes. Was... Yes, this is terrible. My life is terrible. This is right <laughs> about every morning I wake up and I think about this now. But, but think I'm about like, it. What this did trade, I do? What if if, I if you have myself? fields, this is this is after week one and you have fields and this comes across, you you accept, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. for sure. But see, that's the I, yeah, that's ugh, the thing. That's the fluidity of dynasty and the mm-hmm. fantasy. But you have to try to stay a little bit more, a little bit less fluid than that. Maybe sometimes, <laughs> like that's just it's it's so tough, man. It's it's hard. But I do think that looking back, like I almost galaxy brandy because I looking back, I was looking at him like, kind of how everybody else looks at him now. It's like this kid doesn't look shook by what's happening to him, right? And he didn't look shook before. He just kind of looked like he was just going through it, handling it. And then, he, you know, they, they turn it around. I just didn't believe in the coaching staff, but that shouldn't really matter when you think about talent. So why am I talking about this still? All right. Fournette, Do- uh, Fournette Dobbs, James Robinson, two thirds in 23 for Debo. For Debo. That's a lot um, for Debo. I, I would rather have Debo personally, because I just, because I don't know, like, Yes, like four quarters equals a dollar, but I'd rather have the dollar. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think, I think, <laughs> I think on a trade calculator, this adds up, but I don't really see, like, I have no reason to roster James Robinson in fantasy football. And I like two thirds is fine, but it's probably not going to turn into a valuable piece. And so, like, okay, Fournette is already on his way out. Like, he's been super inefficient. They're already talking about, like, lowering his workload. He's had less snaps this year. Rashad White is inevitable, and he's coming for your souls. And uh, and now Dobbs is hurt. So it's like, Debo has this insulated value. He has a big contract. He's a really exciting player. He's capable of, like, really high-end production. And you're getting all these pieces that aren't guaranteed production are more likely to lose value than gain value. I just... I don't see the upside. Okay. How about Fournette, Dobbs, James Robinson, Michael Thomas, and two-thirds for Amon Ross St. Brown? <laughs> um, I mean, same thing as before, really. Like, it's, okay. a bunch, it's a bunch of pieces. I mean, I, it's closer because Michael Thomas might play football again and maybe no, score no, fantasy points. But, <laughs> he knows he's not. not. <laughs> but, I, again, I, it's just – it's not that it's a terrible trade on value. It's just not the kind of trade I would make. Like I, I don't see any reason to trade away Amon Ross St. Brown for these pieces. Like you can, you can do better than this. So the the Amon Ra one definitely didn't get done. Now I'm buying both of these pieces. I'm trying to buy. I'm selling like okay the shop you're, right here. You're trying to sell your trash. I yeah. have a lot of trash and a lot, of, but I also <laughs> have a lot of good stuff. So I'm trying to improve and and just move on. But all right, guys, let's let's. Let's clip it. Uh, Billy just said Dobbs is trash. <laughs> yeah, I, that is that's tough. Yeah, that that's tough. Uh, I, I the the Amon Ra one didn't get done. The guy actually said he's like close, but I'll keep Amon Ra. The other one, dude was like, I'm I might be about this, and then he and then like he he has a kid and shit, and just I guess time didn't. Don't have like, kids. He, he said he said well I'll revisit it next week. So I'm hitting him up and seeing if he wants to do the Debo one. Uh, but would you do the Debo one with MT? Like, would you do the same one that I was talking about for Dobbs? So essentially Fournette, Dobbs, James Robinson, Michael Thomas, and two-thirds for uh, Debo. Yes, especially because I know what, what league you're talking about and you're trying to, like, bolster your starting lineup. Like, if you – yeah, like, this is exactly the kind of trade you want to make because you have a bunch of depth. You can only start so many players. Like, you want to get the best possible players into your lineup, and Debo right now is at a bit of a lull in his value because – He's not healthy and he hasn't produced recently. So yeah, no, I'd be fine with it. I mean, Michael Thomas might never play again. And if he does, he'll probably just hurt another part of his foot and then be out again. So yeah. Go All for right. it. So the original offer didn't have MT to Debo. So maybe I'll just overwhelm him and, and call and just push it over the top. Bam. Do it. There you go. Cool. Last one here. CEH for James Cook. Gross. 
Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> it's not sexy in any manner. Two two running backs that have both been uh, usurped in the past two weeks by other running backs. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd still rather have Ceh personally because, like, at least we've seen him get a handful of touches and like get some snaps and like he can actually do that. We don't know what James Cook can do or if he'll ever do it. So I'd rather have CEH, but I don't want either of these players. Yeah, it randomly came across my inbox the other day. Can't you get can't you get more than just James Cook for CEH or am I just way off? Uh it's, no, it's pretty bad. It's, it's, it's bad rough out there, I think, for CEH these days. But Which I tried telling you like two years ago. <laughs> I would take I would take CEH in this trade for pretty much the same reasons Paul said, but man. Like that sucks. Like he, one of those sides should have something else on it. I don't know which side it should be. <laughs> we everybody should have been trading away Ceh when he was scoring two touchdowns per game, uh, on totally unsustainable snap shares and unsustainable red zone shares. And yeah, I mean it's it's a mess. Um, and you know if you go to the Damian Pierce crowd, they'd be like, "Well, he was scoring points. What am I supposed to do? I can't trade him away if he's scoring points." But it's see, hard to do. <laughs> you see how quickly you can go from scoring points to not scoring points. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. Love it. All right. Does anybody else have anything for Paul before we get out of here, man? Yeah. I hey, see you in the uh, NFC uh, championship game, bud. Oh, are you a Vikings fan? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that hurts. All right. That's uh, it. He's not allowed to It's yeah. over. It's Your over. timeout. <laughs> Dude, Paul, thank you so much for joining us, man. This was a blast as always. We will get you back on here again, of course, man. Of course. It was great chatting with everybody. I always love coming on here. It's always a fun time. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again soon. And uh, go trade for David and Joku. Paul, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can find me at Fantasy Freezer on Twitter. You can find my written content on uh, DynastyFootballFactory.com. Go check out my article, Damian Pierce and Asymmetrical Downside. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dynasty Underdog. Give us a follow on Twitter at Dynasty Underdog, at Just Your IFF, at Willie Beam DFF, and at Joshua M. Goldberg. And follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dynasty Underdog. Mm-hmm.